Welcome to Beyond the Bottom Line. I'm your host, Bert Miller. Hey, we continue to have incredible guests on the show uh, on Beyond the Bottom Line. We've had Chris Voss, Pete Carr from McCarty, Peter Mondavi, yes, that Mondavi, uh, to Ishveen Jolly, the CEO of OpenSponsorship.com. Well, today uh, we're able to bring you another incredible voice in the world of work with our guest that is 30 years in the beverage industry with brands like Coors, Red Bull, Vita Coco, and most recently has served uh, the CEO of Moss Jägermeister US. Please welcome Jeff Popkin. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Bert, my good friend, great to be here. Super thrilled to be with you. Well, it's good to have you here, man. That's, that's awesome. So um, you were appointed the CEO of Moss Jägermeister in 2015, right? And yeah, you... well, it was actually November 30th, 2015. Okay. Well, uh, when I think about that, um, you quickly repositioned Jägermeister. You wasted no time. Um, you created the what the shot of the NHL. You worked with Post Malone um, to lead a really a strategic investment in the Dwayne Johnson, better known as the Rock, in Terramana Tequila. So you've you've had a lot of change in what you've done at Jägermeister. Tell me a little bit about that and how how interesting um, that was for you. Yeah, it's so, you know, I've always been a huge fan of the brand Jägermeister. I truly have back to, you know, even the college days, believe it or not. Um, in Jägermeister, even my Red Bull, when I was at Red Bull 2009 to 2011, uh, you know, we were doing all kinds of stuff uh, with Jäger bombs when I was at Red Bull. And that's kind of the story of Jägermeister in the U.S. Jägermeister is the super complex brand, 56 botanicals, you know, cold macerated, all in German oak uh, over in Wolfenbüttel, Germany family owned it used to be a vinegar a vinegar plant back in the day um and it and jägermeister was created and kurt most kind of brought it to life and commercialized it uh it started getting imported into the u.s by sydney frank you know who was the genius behind gray goose he sold gray goose back in the early 2000s to uh, bacardi two billion something like that so all kinds of sydney frank stories out there and his genius uh serial entrepreneur so he kind of put introduced the whole cold Jägermeister through cold equipment and way back in the 70s. But what really just made Jägermeister explode here in the U.S. was Jägerbomb, you know, which was the mm -hmm. Red Bull Jägermeister drink that, you know, in 2008, 2009 kind of peaked when the Four loco, you know, caffeine and alcohol thing happened. And the FDA came out and said we had warnings around alcohol with uh, caffeine. I was at Red Bull at the time. You know, we took down all caffeinated mixed drinks with, uh, you know, with all Red Bull and vodka, Red Bull and Jägermeister. So Jägermeister started to decline then, 2008, 2009 started to decline. It was a perfect storm of the no alcohol, no caffeine or caffeine alcohol mix uh, started to really decline in 2008, which was its peak in the U.S. and declined every year. When I joined in 2015, it had been down every year since 2008 with just fallout from the Jägerbomb. So we, at the time, we were about 1.6 million nine-liter cases, and I'm happy to say, you know, uh, it was a massive restructuring and kind of rebranding. So we took Sydney Frank Import Company and and made it Moss Jägermeister U.S. to start to establish a U.S. identity for Jägermeister, more than just a Jäger bomb, more than just what, you know, some shot drink that you drink when you're at the bar and you're, you know, having celebrating great times with your friends. To really put some personality behind this German company, um, which really family-owned, very heartfelt company, 
in, in Germany, global, I mean, their global route to market for Jägermeister, Bert, I've learned so much, 9 million cases of Jägermeister around the world. <laughs> Literally, I mean, honestly, having seen Red Bull's route to market globally, I'd put Jägermeister up against it any day. Jägermeister's global route to market is super strong. Well, look at what you've done. I mean, the brands you've worked for, if you think about Miller Coors and Vita Coco, what you did there, we'll talk about that in a bit. And of course, Red Bull, and now uh, where you currently are. And I know you're going to uh, transition a bit here with uh, Mr. Fortune taking the CEO role yeah. at, in, in April. And I know you've uh, worked with, with Moss Jägermeister to make that happen. So that that's terrific. I, when I think about uh, Jägermeister, it just takes me back to the days when we used to go out uh, as young people. And I can certainly relate to some of the stories you were sharing earlier. Um, now you were appointed, when you were appointed in 2015, now you've taken it over the last six, seven years, uh, you've worked in the beverage industry for now two decades. What attracted you to beverage and how'd you go, you know, from where you are to where you are today? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Coors was my first foray into the beverage business. I used to be in the golf business, believe it or not. Like in college, I worked my way through golf. <laughs> working at a golf course or working way through college uh, at a golf course. But a guy I used to give lessons, lessons to when I was an assistant pro got a job at Coors Ceramics and got me into the brewery. And I, I just fell in love, grew up in Dallas, drinking Coors Light. So I got into the brewery, got into distributorship, got into the beverage business. And honestly, Bert, it's like, I always tell people when I'm trying to recruit people and I'm trying to tell them what the beverage business is like as compared to other job options that might be out there for a you know, young person starting their career. It's like, it's as close as you can be to being a professional athlete and not having to be athletic. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you get to compete. You can fall in love with what you're doing. I mean, look at a brand, look at a brand like Coors Light, look at a brand like, you know, Red Bull, look at a brand like Vita Coco, look at a brand like Jägermeister, Terramana. These are all brands you can fall in love with. And when you fall in love with them, it starts to blur the lines between what you're doing at work and what you're doing on your own time, your, your personal time. And if you really integrate that and you get people's hearts really invested in what you're doing and they love the brand and what the brand stands for, then you find people that can compete and then it's magic. You know, if you have a brand that truly has the bones to do special stuff. And honestly, you know, to go back to your question on Jägermeister, the thing I think that I'm most proud of at Jägermeister that we built over the last six years, six years. Yeah, we rebuilt Jägermeister. An official shot of the NHL, Chris Petty, our, our chief marketing officer, is brilliant. By far, no offense to any other marketers I've ever worked with. They've, they've all been really good at the brands I'm, uh, I'm coming from. But Chris Petty at Jägermeister is the absolute best I've ever worked with. He's an artist. You know, he was able to put together a rebranding of Jägermeister to get the awareness up, official shot of the NHL. The NHL consumer base is much like NASCAR, very loyal you know, they follow the brand. And once you're in with that, with that group, man, their brand loyalty, they are on you. They love you. And it's been an excellent investment just from an awareness play, you know, just getting Jägermeister back out in the main, in the mainstream and in the mix. And so that really started the journey of, of the rehabilitation of Jägermeister. Then little occasional things like we, we stretched the occasion base of Jägermeister with a, something as simple and tactical as deer and beer. So that was basically introducing the idea to consumers that, hey, when you're having a beer, have a shot of Jägermeister and kick it up a notch and, it, and you enjoy the <laughs> session. The flavor of your beer comes out even more when you drink something that has 56 herbals, botanicals 
that wake up your taste buds and then the beer starts to come to life in a little more and yeah. honestly you know honestly i'm mean, looking at me i'm an old guy cruising around in beers in in bars in manhattan trying to buy people jägermeister shots on a tuesday night and they're like no old guy man i, I gotta go to work tomorrow i'm not trying to get drunk you know i'm just i'm having a chill night out and i would be at batting you know maybe 10 percent at trying to get tables to have a shot of jägermeister with me you come up with a deer and beer it's 100 percent, man yeah sure man i'll have a beer and a deer yeah, i'll do a jägermeister shot let's and you're sipping on it you're shooting it whatever you're doing it makes it more sociable and it stretched the occasion for us to get us because the moderation trend with consumers is happening. You know, there's not, there's not big night out like it used to be with you and I, where, you know, the, yeah. the day, moderation, they're going many, we, we have to go more occasions and less consumption across those occasions. So deer beard actually killed it for us. And then last two years, what we've done with the rock really opened my eyes to the power of what a celebrity can do, especially an authentic celebrity that really, and this is the key, is really into it, in their bones and in their DNA. They drink your brand and they believe in it. Yeah. And that's, and that's certainly Dwayne Johnson with Terramana. It's his baby. But Post Malone loves Jägermeister. So, Jeff, I mean, look, uh, when I think about what you've just shared with us, what an amazing career, right, in terms of um, having the opportunity. Your job is to go build brands and when you were, especially when you were younger and you were in bars and restaurants and clubs, I'm sure, and you're building brands through people um, by those experiences. And what, what, an, what an incredible time uh, that you had with all, and by the way, uh, folks, when you, th when you think about it, the brands I mentioned earlier today, Coors, Vitacoco, Red Bull, and now the CEO of uh, Moss Jägermeister, um, thinking about that, you know, you've been very vocal, um, Jeff, and, and you, t you talked about it a little bit earlier, to, earlier in our interview, really around the brand in terms of preserving and revolutionizing the brand and, and Sydney and what he did in bringing the brand to the United States. Why do you believe that establishing a brand is so important to the success of a, a beverage company or an adult beverage company? I mean, you know, it's proven. Uh, the, the, the premium spirits business, the spirits business and really the beer business is premiumizing right before our eyes. And to participate in that, you have to have a brand. And you have to have a brand that actually has a personality as if it was sitting in the room with you as a person. You know, what would Jägermeister do in this situation? And it has to be authentic. You know, it can't be, it has to be authentic in a way that's transparent. And it's hard work to do that because there's so many temptations to take the easy grab and do something that's out of the footprint of the brand that you're working on. But every time you do that, you dilute the soul of the brand a bit, you know, and so it's it takes a lot of discipline to stay in the footprint of the brand you're working on. And really to do that, Bert, I, got, I believe you got to believe in the brand. You know, you got to really believe it has the bones to do great things. Yeah, well, I mean, think about the energy you're bringing today. I mean, you're bringing energy to this podcast. I can only imagine what it's like out into the marketplace. So uh, you said you need to believe in a brand that that uh, in order to make it work for you. So how do you make sure from your perspective that you're working and leading a brand that brings you joy? I mean, how, how have you made those decisions? And, and, um, and that's one question. The second question I'm going to follow up with, and I'll ask it again, is how, you know, have you worked with a brand that, you know, you, you haven't loved? And so I want to talk about that in, in a moment. But first, I want to talk about how you make sure that you're working for a brand that brings you joy. You know, Bert, every brand I've worked on, 
you know, the brands that we've mentioned, those are the only brands I've worked on. I had one other stint where we were, me and some partners, big Miller Coors guys were buying distributors. Ever, the rest of my career has been all about brands. And if I can fall in love with the brand and, you know, and I kind of test out the proof of concept, then it's something that I know I can take joy in because it's something that's close to me and something that I use. Every one of my brands that I've worked on are in my refrigerator today and have been. Uh, so it's, and, it, and the people is kind of the thing that makes it the most fun, you know, because it's the most important step in the whole thing after you found a brand that you can fall in love with is finding people who can also fall in love with that brand and have the basic, you know, treat people well, like to have fun, real important on this one, like to compete. You know, I love to find people who, who've played athletics at some level and like to compete and have that burning desire to compete because those are the ones that are going to fight hard for every inch of your retail space, every inch of your, you know, your brand in the conversation, whether it's national council, whatever it is. If I had to say one thing, it would be, you know, it would be the people that you find that make it fun. It's not necessarily the brand, the brand brings the love, but what really brings the joy is having a team of people that are on the journey with you that, you know, think about it, think about any sports team you ever played on or any, uh, any group that you ever competed with, whether it was, I could have been a chess club, you know, when you're sitting in the locker room, when you're sitting together talking about the things that are common between you, that you compete on and the games that you won. And you remember when you did this, when the camaraderie, it's beautiful stuff. And you really can't get that in a lot of businesses, you know, and, and I'm, I'm going to pick on pharmaceuticals. I mean, sitting in a doctor's office selling pharmaceuticals is, you know, it's, you got to have a living. Everybody's got to have a living, but it'd be tough to fall in love with that for me personally. You know, so I feel like it's a luxury to do something that you really love to do. No, it is. And when I think about the world of work in general, we're going to talk a little bit about how you built your teams. But if you think about the global GDP and the money that's being spent out there, Jeff, you have healthcare, you have digital, and you have consumer. Now, I don't know what the number is, but I'd say those three legs on the stool represent probably. 80% plus of the global GDP in some form or fashion. And I think CPG, particularly beverage, uh, represents the most fun. I mean, that's where the fun is had. That's where the lifestyle and experiences happen. So I want to ask you a question. Have you ever worked for a brand that you have not loved? The honest answer to that is no, I haven't. Good. You know, I haven't worked for a brand that I, I I think it would be a hard thing to do uh, for me. And that sounds, uh, probably sounds uh, maybe even a little bit arrogant. I don't mean it to sound arrogant. It's basically just something that to me, you know, I've had opportunities to go to work for brands that were commercially, I told you about one before we started the podcast mm -hmm. and I just couldn't get myself to a place where can I, you know, can I love this? Is this brand really me? Does it speak to me? Am I going to drink this brand? Am I going to use this brand? And there's been a couple that commercially were already in the money when I received the offer and it was time to go and I couldn't go and I had to actually back out of it. You know, it's a, um, it's just a principled thing with me that I know I'm at my best when I'm all in. And you, to be all in, you are all in, man. You absolutely are. You absolutely are all in Jeff. And that's what I love about you. Um, and think about all the brands that you do have. They're in your refrigerator. They're in your, they're in your bar. Um, and I love that you use the brands that you have been a part of and helped grow. And speaking of growth, I mean, you helped grow Vita Coco, I think, and don't quote me on the numbers, but I'm going to give some general, general numbers from 40 million to 200 million plus. 
Um, you then went to Red Bull distrib uh, Distribution as a CEO. Uh, at the time, it was about $200 million that you grew to a half a billion dollars. Um, yeah, and, and I was actually at Red Bull before Vitacoco. That's how I met the Vitacoco guys. But yeah, Red Bull yep. was acquiring other distributors. So Red Bull was taking back distribution and company-owned distribution. So some of that, you know, those numbers sound super impressive. But Red Bull's organic growth at the time was like 20 to 25 percent. Uh, we were we were growing in crazy rates because we were absorbing other territories, you know, and, and expanding distribution for company-owned asset. Red Bull's just God. Or that brand is just <laughs> dynamo. I think I don't think you could screw that brand up. You know, if you tried to, it's just such a strong brand. Well, you know, Red Bull did have a good recruiter at one point in time that was uh, right. putting some talent in there. Anyhow, that's, that's a, I, I, I yeah, I digress. <laughs> yes, I digress, yes. man. But what? Um, so think about the growth and what you've done at Moss Jägermeister, especially working with The Rock and Terramana, and I really want to get into that in a second relative to that launch. But before I ask that question, I want to understand from you the th maybe two, three key tenants that you have that you rely on growing the brands because you have a repeated um, history of growing brands, not only growing them, but growing them significantly. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I mean, to me, it's as simple as, you know, finding a brand that you think has the bones to perform and then going all in and building a team around it uh, that you know can get out and, and scale the brand and execute against what are the core tenets to the brand to be successful, whether it's putting it in the right channels of distribution in front of the right customers, because you have to know who your brand speaks to, who's your consumer, to really put it in front of your consumers so they can, so they can respond. It's the people part of it is so important. You know, it, it, it's a throwaway line because so many people say that people are important, but I will tell you the P it, I say all the time for, I'm in the people business. I've said it on every brand I've ever worked in. You know, no, Jeff, you're in the beverage business. You know, you're selling energy drinks. You're, no, it's the people who sell the brand. Once I know this brand has bones to perform and it has the liquid and it has the secret sauce, it's just about getting the people. So really, you can find brands that are ready to scale. You can find brands that have the bones to be exceptional. You, what's really hard to find is the people that can make it happen. Yeah. And that doesn't always mean, yeah, it's, it, the people to make it happen doesn't always mean you're going to try to find the smartest person in the space, whatever subject matter expertise you're looking for. It has to fit the culture of the competitive nature of having each other's back, of not always trying to be the superstar, understanding what it really means to be a team player, and when you find that kind of balance where people pick each other up and it's magic and that's what makes it the journey so much fun. And we built that at Jägermeister. I'm super happy. We got 160 employees at Jägermeister and they live, eat and breathe Jägermeister. Uh, they love it. They love what they do. We have fun. I always say we keep the air loose. Fun. The first time I was around the Germans, uh, the ownership, ownership, they hired me and we had a big company meeting. I'm like, guys, the vision for how we want to operate here, we want to keep loose air. You know, we never want the air to be stiff. We want everybody to speak their opinion. The more junior you are in the room, the more I want to hear from you because you're closer to our target consumer. So everybody, loose air. If you have a thought, speak it, you know, and let's all communicate. And they thought, so the Germans after the meeting, they're like, so yeah, you know, who would have thought that our new CEO would be teaching everybody to be sloppy? And I'm like, <laughs> we're talking about being sloppy, but to them, they were hearing loose air as sloppy which is kind of funny, but that's one of my tenets also. Of, it's got to be loose air, man. We're casual about our work environment, but we're super intense about 
our results and how we compete, you know, and you don't have to wear a three-piece suit to be intense about your business. You can wear jeans, you can wear a t-shirt. In fact, at Jägermeister, we don't have, our dress code was dressed in a way that inspires you. And so it's like, okay, that's kind of gimmicky. What is, it's like, well, you know, really, why should we tell people how they have to dress when we can tell them dress however you want to dress? We've had, in my six years there, we've never sent anybody home. You know, it's, it's something I really picked up on at Red Bull that I think is so cool. If people are comfortable, they're going to be at their best, I think. So, yeah, that's, you, that's interesting. That's very, it's very, by the way, folks, whoever's watching this, man, you got to take a look at, at Jeff. I mean, um, I think he's already had a couple of Red Bulls today, actually. But no, I've known Jeff for a while, and he is, uh, he brings this energy like this every single day. And now you understand why he's built some great, great teams. And they've been able, and by building those great teams, he's been able to exponentially grow the brands that he is, uh, he's led. And so when you think about building your team, Jeff, what qualities do you look for when you're bringing people into an organization? So maybe give me your top two attributes. There's a lot of things, but those, what are the top two attributes that are just non-negotiable for you? Value people and love to compete. You know, I think value people from a standpoint of you never want to hire somebody, you know, who thinks they're the smartest person in the room or, you know, that's somebody who doesn't value people. You want to hire some, you want to hire people who are smart, who understand things, who want to win, who they're, they're, they want to compete. But most importantly, and I put it at the top of the list, they value people. They value people in the journey that they're on, which makes you naturally inclusive. Even before it was, you know, it was politically correct to be that way. It just, it, you want people that are heart forward, that have empathy and value people. Because if you can start with that, that means they're going to listen. That means they're going to respect other people's opinions. And that means if you value and respect other people's opinions, you're going to build trust. And if you have trust, you can yell and scream at each other and you're going to pressurize whatever idea you're talking about. And you're going to come out of the room in agreement and you're going to respect each other still. And you're going to still have that, that kindred spirit that trust creates. So it's a, uh, you know, yes. Are we going to find smart people? Yes. Are we going to find subject matter experts that can contribute? Yes, but that's the second, the primary thing is, do you truly respect people? You know, and so I always, when I'm interviewing, I like to get 15 minutes of just getting people loose and comfortable and you drop their guard and get rid of all the answers, you know, the interview answer questions like, what's your biggest weakness? I work too hard, you know, that kind of stuff of, you get to where it's really natural, where you can see who, see who they are, truly, which is all trying to get at, do you value people? Yeah, that's interesting. And so when I think about that and what you've done at Mouse Jägermeister has been, it's, it's just been fantastic. It really has. And I know that, um, so when I think about you, I think about partnerships and relationships and what you've done. And you've recently done a strategic partnership with Dwayne Johnson, as I mentioned earlier, better known as The Rock, and the Terramana Tequila brand, which for those out there that are not aware of this, it is the single largest launch of a distilled spirit in the history of distilled spirits. Um, and so I'd like to, you to talk a little bit about that and the evolution of that partnership and how you brought that together and brought that to Moss Jägermeister. Well, you know, um, that was quite the ride. And it all started in 2000. So I joined Jägermeister in, in November of 15, and it was all about stabilizing the brand, getting it growing again, getting the distribu distribution network ironed out. 
And so we went all in with Southern Glazers. I'm a big fan of, of Wayne. And at the time it was Brad Vassar and now Gene and Mark Chaplin. You know, they're more of a fan, they're a truly a family distributor feel. Not that the others aren't. RNDC's a great operation. Uh, so is Breakthrough, Charlie Marinoff and those guys. But Southern just had a bigger footprint and able to scale us. And so we thought of rather than being a as a single brand company with just Jägermeister, we needed to have a voice inside of our distribution network. And to get that voice, we made the decision to consolidate all of our volume or 88% of our volume into Southern to try to get, you know, a voice and get some uh, really a share of mind inside the, inside the Southern Glazers house. So we had a top to top in August and I, uh, June of 19. And I mentioned to Wayne that we're ready now, man. We're, we are stabilized. Jägermeister's on the way up. We're getting some organic growth. We're ready to bring on a brand. So keep your eye open. If you see brands out there that you think could benefit from scale, you know, we're 160 people and we just have one brand. We can put some muscle behind it and we can do it. August of 19, he calls me. I'm sitting in a control state meeting in Detroit. And, I, and of course it's Wayne. So I jump out and answer the call and he says, hey, I got a brand for you. I got this guy named Ken Austin. He's going to call you. Um, and so sure, Ken calls me like three seconds later. Cut to the chase here. I'm in Detroit. Ken says, where are you? I say Detroit. He says, I'll be there in an hour. He flew, uh, he flew into Detroit airport and we talked for three hours that day. And I talked to him every day from that point forward until we signed our deal in December, December of 2019. Um, it was a really uh, interesting, you know, uh, intense experience. We launched Terramana. And in that process of, of that time, we met with Dwayne Johnson two or three times, every, and Danny Garcia and, and his team. Danny Garcia is actually his ex-wife and business manager on a lot of his, uh, a lot, super intelligent, super sharp, uh, and very intense. But I will tell you, every time I met with Dwayne Johnson, no cell phones on the table, no big time, no, I got to step out and take the, I mean, two to three hours of intense, just, he's sitting there, he's six foot five and big as a house. And he's like, you know, he had to take a break about every hour to go, you know, feed protein to, to his muscles. And then we'd come back <laughs> go to seriously he had he would have bowl i mean he's just a super intense and really powerful you know person in terms of his overall presence but very intense about his business and terramana is his baby he's involved in everything the liquid the packaging going down to the distillery and partnering with the lopez family which is the distillery in jalisco that we used uh and ken and his partner jenna uh fagnon they do a terrific job very strategic on the packaging marketing um, and with Jägermeister, we just, we, our original deal, we were the global distribution partner exclusive. And so we executed in the, in the sales end of it, launched it with a hundred thousand case plan, which in spirits is a big, would have been a big, you know, especially with COVID it was launched in 2020. We did 320, we did 320,000 on a hundred thousand plan. Uh, price position is Tito's of tequila. So that's excellent. All hundred percent blue agave, Highlands agave. Uh, which is super smooth. So it's a great liquid. So it's yeah. just pretty much the secret to Terramana, great price point, great liquid, all 100% blue agave, super smooth. And Dwayne Johnson, you know, the, the engine of Dwayne Johnson on Instagram is pretty nice to have. Well, I don't think he does anything 50%. So uh, you have it. You, in terms of having an influencer behind a brand, that's about as good an influencer as you're, gonna, you're ever going to have. Um, by the way, year two, you guys threw up what, 600, 660,000. Almost. Cases? Yeah. 650, 650. Yeah. I mean, a million this year, if we can make it, you know, uh, 
you know, tequila, the tequila is booming. It just passed rum number, uh, passed rum to be the number three category, uh, in all spirits. Absolutely. Absolutely amazing. By the way, I mean, look, uh, folks, you get to see Jeff, he gets to hang out with Post Malone and the rock. I mean, how, how bad can it be? But, um, so they wouldn't recognize me in a room of five people today. (laughs) I realize these guys are so big mega stars. Um, and they're really genuine, not to tell, I mean, they, they super genuine, both post Malone's absolute sweetheart of a guy actually from Texas. I'm down here in Dallas, Texas. As I speak to you. He went to a high school, not too far from where I'm sitting. That's, that's incredible. So let's talk a little bit about you. Um, you've done what you've done at Moss Jagermeister for the last six and a half, six, six plus years. And now you've, uh, found your succession that rolls in on April one. And so the end of March uh, becomes uh, a new a new opportunity for Jeff Popkin. What's next for you after Moss Jagermeister, Jeff? Uh, you know, my decision to leave was it was uh, really a couple of things. You know, first, as I'm sitting around looking at the team we've built, I talked about Chris Petty, our chief marketing officer. He's been with me five years. Uh, I also hired Joe Fortune at the time. I hired him from Diageo to be our CFO. He's been with me five years. Mike Rudy who is our general counsel, who was with Sidney Frank for 10 years before, you know, he played soccer at Brown. These three guys, dynamos. I mean, I'm looking around at my, at my staff meetings and I got Chris Petty. And I always told him, like when I interviewed with the Eggermeister guys, you know, I was telling them, I'm a, I'm a revenue and people guy. You know, I need, I believe marketing is an art form and I need to trust my marketer and I need to know, I don't want to be standing with my CMO looking over their shoulder and going, use a little more yellow, you know, use a little more red, use a little... I just want to have complete trust. And so they gave me, you know, I got to go out and find the exact right person. And it was Chris Petty and God, he's the beautiful stuff. Joe Fortune, who's the CFO, one of the most dynamic people I've ever worked with. His mind is so sharp and so quick. And I look at Mike Rudy, who's down there, who's one of the best people persons uh, I've worked with. We made him our, recently I made him the chief people officer and general counsel. Uh, sadly, we had our, our, the, the lady who was running our HR when I got in there, Florence Pramberger, who had experience with Beam. She passed away during COVID. Super sad. I love that woman. Um, she was, she could see, I used to tell her she could see people's souls. You know, she, I'd bring her in as a final check on interviewing somebody and she could sit 30 minutes with somebody and see their soul, you know, truly. Uh, but so Mike really took that over, but I honestly, of the two data points that were that I knew it was time for me to, to go find another journey, which I love the journey. I do believe life is about the journeys. Um, is that I'm looking at the talent in the room and they're ready to grow. They're ready to do it. And I look at Joe, who had I'd made him our chief commercial officer two years ago, just with the express you know uh, point to develop him to be my successor. So he's brilliant CFO, very big charisma, big presence, super dynamic guy to put him in the chief commercial officer role the last two years, two and a half years, would be perfect to get him ready to do my job. Mike Rudy handles all the legislative stuff, our general counsel, obviously a lot of upside for what he's gonna do. I'm sitting there going, what am I doing here? You know, I'm getting this itch and this feel, I'm 57 years old. I wanna do one more, one more you know, strong run here before I hang it up and go coach high school football in Texas or go, you know, coach golf and high school football hopefully would be my dream retirement job, like when I'm 65 or whatever. But I want to do one more run, one more experience of building a team and doing something. And these guys are all ready to grow, ready to go do it. 
So that's, those are the two data points, man. We got, I got talent inside of MJUS that is bursting at the seams, ready to run. And I don't want to stand in their way. So it was kind of a, it was a good time to do it. And the, the company's in a great place, Bert, with Terramana coming in as the second brand, with Jägermeister starting to have organic growth. Everything is set. Well, what a, what a terrific, terrific career, man, that you've run. And you keep stacking them up, uh, Jeff. And I think about the brands you've stacked up, as I've mentioned earlier. And then, of course, you know, the, the fun brands you've been part of. I mean, Sidney Frank, for those that have not done a history and looked back at Sidney and his, his life story and, and how Sidney Frank came to be and the company, that is an amazing, amazing, cool story. Uh, that then led into Moss Jagermeister that, you know, as he, as he brought that over. And then, of course, Grey Goose. And you mentioned earlier, Grey Goose sold to Bacardi for $2 billion. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, Back yeah. then, and that was in the early 2000s, yeah. that's what, that'd be $3.5 today? Every bit of it, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, talking about, you're talking about maybe three SKUs, basically. Uh, at that time, one, one flavor, just the original. $2 billion. Uh, incredible. And then... The Jägermeister and the experience and lifestyle, the brands that you've worked with have been, have been fantastic. And then finally, you want to go, you want to go do one more thing. And then I love the last part. You're going to go coach high school football when you're about 65 years old in the state of Texas where football is king. So that's an amazing, great story. I'm a sports junkie, you know, I saw, I know with my career, I've worked hard to develop more analogies. So I tend to use sports analogies but I've now incorporated a ton of movie analogies uh, just so, but high football is just a beautiful sport. And I'm a big golfer as well, obviously, as I talked about earlier. So yeah, those are the things, uh, those are the things in my horizon, hopefully before the, the clock runs out, well, uh, I have an opportunity to do that. Well, Jeff Popkin, a ton of passion, great career, a ton of energy. Thank you for bringing it, Jeff. That's awesome. Uh, this is Beyond the Bottom Line, and I'm your host, Bert Miller. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Bert. My pleasure.